Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us for Reconciling Grace. This is Pete Becky. And uh, I am joined today by Pastor Josh Kugel, Pastor Don McDonald. And as we record this, uh, it's been, what, about a week, guys, that uh, we've been hearing a lot about this new war going on in Europe between Ukraine and Russia. And we thought we would discuss war today and what it what it uh, means and what's going on and what does the Bible say about it. And I thought I would just start out by reading from the first um, eight verses of Ecclesiastes chapter three, which says this, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. So I read all those other verses going into that very, very last one that talks about love and hate and war and peace. And I think as we look at that, um, it's pretty clear that the Bible says that there are times and seasons for all these things. Now, the very first thing that I think of when I think of war is death, <clears throat> is destruction, and I do not believe that God likes war. Um, is, does that either of you disagree with me on that? I, I think uh, when um, I've been going through uh, personal archives of the family line and one, my grandfather fought in World War I for Britain for five years. And so we heard the atrocities of war from mustard gas to bayonet, hand-to-hand -hand combat in trenches, and he would always end his stories of war with that war brings out the worst in humanity and shows that we're still a broken people. Mm -hmm. You know, so, so his, 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 his surmising of war always was it's a waste of humanity, and it's something that you try to stay away from as much as you can, but it's a sign of brokenness. We're, we're, we live in a broken world. We live in a sinful world. Mm -hmm. And so that's sort of some of my reflection on it as I pray over it there in Ukraine and watch the suffering and the hurting. Yeah. The, the one thing I get to, I've been preaching uh, last few Sundays in the book of Revelation. And um, last week I was talking about Smyrna. And Smyrna was a church that was under tremendous persecution. So the whole first part of my sermon, uh, I, I told a few stories. And one of them was, um, I like to complain about our house because it's not super big. And there are some things that are not going really well. But I remember the first time when I was in Nicaragua and walked into a house that was about eight by eight, made out of tarp and sticks. And people were sleeping on a cot and a, 
a bed that was filled with uh, Walmart bags. And I remember all of a sudden feeling that I, I don't always realize that my experience is not somebody else's experience and also how blessed I am compared to how other people are. And I think one of the things we have to realize is when we're talking about war and when we're talking about Russia and Ukraine is that we don't really know what they're going through. Um, I don't really know what they're going through. I've never been at war. I've never lived through an attack against my country. And I think a lot of people today in, in the news and Twitter and social media and all are talking about war and they're acting like they're really invested in all, but we're just, this is academic for us. So just from the outset, I just like to say, I'm going to have probably some things to say about war and everything, but it, it's not costing me much. Um, and there are people over there that really do need our prayer right now because they're scared for their lives. Many of them, most of them never did a thing to deserve what's happening, to cause what's happening. Um, and it's just, I think from the very outset, whenever we talk about things like war, especially if we're not the ones in it, we just need to recognize that, you know, it, it's, 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 I don't, I don't want to say it's fun for us to talk about it because I don't think it is necessarily, but we can talk about it without it with kind of detached from it. And so we're going to talk about war. And I just like to point out, man, um, you know, I, I don't know what they're going through. Um, the other thing is I have a brother and I have a grandpa that was in the military. I haven't been, I don't know if you guys have been, um, but I'm going to try to talk about it as a theologian, as a pastor, somebody who cares about people, that kind of thing. Um, but I also know, just as we're talking, I know that God is not in any way fond of bloodshed at all, regardless of what it, what the outcome is. And so I would, I would agree with both of you guys about that. Sure. And uh, I, I don't, again, I think we all are in agreement. I don't think God likes war. And I don't think that God really wants people to choose war. There are some um, Christian denominations out there that are basically pacifist denominations, that if you belong to that denomination at all, you are basically saying, I am a pacifist, I will not fight in a war, I will be a conscientious objector. Um, then there are other churches on the other side of the thing where it's like they're all gung-ho about, you know, let's, uh, let's stand our ground, let's be Americans, let's... Um, you know, and this isn't an American war. I understand that, but you know, let's let's fight for our country. Let's stand up for our rights. Um, I remember that uh, before I was pastoring, um, I was in a church, and I was not in the room at that time um, because it was in a different Sunday school class than I was in. But there was uh, apparently almost a fight between two. Um, more elderly gentlemen, I guess. I guess they're both more elderly. One of them had been uh, a, a veteran of the war, and another one had been uh, very much a pacifist his whole life. And I guess these guys were both probably 80 years old or more. And um, I guess they got into a big argument about whether or not a Christian could be in war. And it ended up that uh, one of them was trying to tell the other one he should never uh, try to come back to this church again. Uh, well, Pete, we need to be really careful, too, in the way we talk about the specific war we're talking about. There's a very clear, despite what the propaganda says, there's a very clear aggressor. And the other side seems to be, even though there is a lot of uh, corruption and everything in the Ukrainian government, the other side very clearly seems to be defending itself from an aggressor. Sure. Um, and so I'm not sure always on, on the side of Russia, I think we should talk about, I, I don't know if it's even... They're, they're not a super 
Christian government and sue for Christian people, even though there are many Christians there. But it's more of do we follow our leadership into an unjust attack on someone else? But then from the Ukraine point of view, is it do we have the right as a nation to defend ourselves? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's I, I understand talking about, you know, is war right or should we be pacifists? But, you know, even a pacifist, I would think if you broke into their home, <laughs> you know, and, and went to attack their kids, I think they would raise their their arms up to defend themselves. Um, I, I agree. Yeah, I, I, that's where I think a lot of people, you know, we, as you said, Josh, none of us has ever been, I don't think, yeah. in military or, or in a war. And it's a whole different, I hate to use the word, but a whole different animal, if you want to call it that. It's a totally yeah. different experience than I think any of us can can have. In other words, I, I, I will liken it to not necessarily war, but just the fact that the three of us being men, I, I've often said to my wife that, as much as I love our kids and our grandkids, there is something that I cannot understand because I never have been a mom. You know, there's something yeah. with a mom yeah. and, and the attachment to the kids. And I think a lot of that same kind of thing uh, goes along with having served in the military and had that upbringing, that training. And especially if you've been in combat, um, there's just something that that happens that... Uh, people who yeah. are actually in it are experiencing things that none of the three of us can actually um, say anything except maybe it's from an intellectual level. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I think when you talk to veterans, there is a definite brotherhood of what they've seen and experienced that, you cannot verbalize or experience if you haven't been there. And, and that's the one thing that, you know, as I've listened to those who have been in war, it, it always seems to emanate around the reality of as much as it's about politics and just war and all that, it still boils down to humanity and what humanity is doing to humanity. You know, when, when you do the dance with Ecclesiastes 3, it's all about patterns of life. And yet in those patterns of life, God is still there teaching us things. I mean, when you. Yeah, read, and we, we have to be clear, too, that God's not necessarily approving of all those times. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and I think, Josh, when you look at that, I, I was going to lean into the Old Testament. Look at all the wars in the Old Testament. Yeah, yeah. You know, and how God used war to put, you know, Israel in exile so that they start realizing there is a God you're called to follow. There is a God that you well, can see more clearly. God exercised his judgment through war continuously through the Old Testament. Yeah. yeah. Um, over the people in the promised land previously who were sacrificing their own children and very sexual worship and all this other stuff. But he also allowed foreign empires to conquer his own people because they had strayed from it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that's the thing that's so, you know, as theologians, you know, how do we address what's going on right now between, you know, Ukraine and Russia as theologians, it's sort of like we're seeing where God's going to take this in terms of history and how it might be awakening. We're not aware of taking place. You know, war is one of those things that makes you really inquire about where is humanity 
in this whole reality and and how does god use humanity to wake us up to his presence yeah. in, in that way i think we can oh, i will say oh, go, go, ahead. Ahead. go ahead go ahead oh well i i, I will say and, and i know a lot of what we're talking about is modern and I, i'll say personally a lot of people complain lately about christian nationalism and all this other stuff but I, i've grown up in america i love my country um as i look back over past uh, military efforts, especially in the major world wars, those were before my time, but most of them, I think that my country has typically tried to do the right thing in war and has typically tried to stand up for the little guy and has typically tried to defend ourselves from, from evil uh, exterior forces and all. And so I, I would say that I, I don't have an issue serving in the military. Um, I think because I trust that typically now our country is shifting, we're changing, um, but typically for me, I think that's why I would have no problem being in the military. As I look at Russia right now, um, if I were serving in the military in Russia and I were told um, to go and attack people uh, who are a sovereign nation so that we can either reclaim ancient land or either uh, because of whatever propaganda, I think, I, I don't know how I would live with myself in that situation. Um, and so I, I just, and, and it, for me, as we talk about pacifism and uh, being into, you know, military service and everything, I think for me, it boils down to, I, I've grown up trusting my government. I don't know if that's misplaced trust or not, but I, I just think um, that's the way I'm, I'm proud of veterans because I think they've stood up for good against evil and that kind of stuff. And so, I don't know, do you guys feel the same way about American military? Well, I guess that, you know, I, I was thinking of going in a different direction, but I'll answer that question. Um, I guess that the United States in world history is a very, very unique country. Um, we, I mean, how many other countries do you know where you can, you know, ask your, your army to give you a deferral because of, you know, you're, you're wanting to, you know, believe in peace or whatever. And, you know, we have such a unique government when it comes to the you know millennia of time that this world has been around you know our country's been around yeah. nearly 200 years and you know we think that it's just okay to say no to your country if you don't want to uh do you know do something they tell you but yeah. i don't i don't know you know we, we could get into another tangent how much do you trust your country um i'll tell you right now i trust it a lot less now than i did 10 or 15 or 20 years ago but I agree, but is it is is that the is that the litmus test though that a Christian should give themselves as to whether they can? How, how do you morally justify your own involvement in something like this? Well, that's that. Yeah, that's where I was kind of going to kind of go when we were kind of cross talking a moment ago. I think that kind yeah. of goes to where I was going to go here because the other passage I wanted to pull up here, you know, because again we're we're pastors, we're looking at this as as we've we've used the word theologians. I don't know that I've ever been called a theologian before. I guess that's a advanced degree for me. But uh, uh, I'm I'm going back to uh, Romans chapter 13, which starts out verse one: Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. 
Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. And, you know, that's that's seven verses. And, you know, at the very beginning of that, you could think, well, maybe they're talking about church or ecclesiastical authorities. No, by the end of that, you see that it's definitely talking about civil authority. No, I, I think the subtext, subtext there is as long as they don't tell you to disobey God. Because um, Jesus was very clear, you give unto Caesar what is who. You give unto Caesar what is Caesar's is what you're saying, yes. But at the same time, yeah. he wrote these words when, when what, probably Nero was the emperor at this time. And well, and the whole, the whole book of Revelation is, is getting around him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, don't know. I, I think been... there's a subtext there. I, the subtext is more of if, as long as you're not violating, I mean, because the number one commandment, right? I mean, I, I keep but, go I, ahead. I keep reflecting on this. And I've been real quiet because I'm sort of putting the pieces together. And there's a great movie that was done in uh, 2016 called Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah. And it was about a Medal of Honor winner who was a pacifist who wanted to be a medic and go into World War II without a gun but he wanted to honor god and care for people who were in you know in a war setting and you know the officers didn't get what he was saying and they brought him up on charges and put him in jail and they did all these things and all he wanted to do was go care for his fellow soldiers without carrying a gun so in one breath he wasn't honoring Romans 13 one because in some ways he wasn't, you know, subjecting himself to the government, but another breath he was because he was operating underneath the field of this is freedom of speech. And this is how I feel called. And this is who I'm called to be on the battlefield. So I find Hacksaw Ridge, the most fascinating study of the tension between a pacifist that wants to carry as it were the answers of his Christian faith into the battlefield by caring for those who are going to be wounded on the field without carrying a gun, without being that part of, you know, the program. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I find Hacksaw Ridge a fascinating study really of war, pacifism and honoring government. We have to remember, especially we're talking about, you know, uh, honoring the government and doing what the government tells you that no man can serve new ma two masters. Um, I still think within the, the, the context of all that is as long as it doesn't go against the clear directives of your faith. Um, cause you know, you're not going to be able to say when you're standing before God, Hey, I was told to, <laughs> you know, you, you murdered all those people. I was told to, it's okay, yeah. God. Yeah. Well, and that's, um, that's a great point, Josh. I mean, I think what you're dealing with there is what some of the Christians who are more, along the side of pacifism would be looking at. They would be looking at, you can't serve 
two masters. And if your government tells you to go out and murder people, but Jesus says go out and love people, well, then you cannot go out and kill people. I think I used the word murder. I shouldn't have used the word murder. But it, even in the context of a war, if the government tells you to go out and kill people and Jesus tells you not to, then perhaps you're, you're following your dictates of your main master, who is Jesus. And I mean, yeah. I think that brings up the, the questions of, you know, if we look at this in the context of history, and we've been pretty good about bringing up some history here, um, but even some more recent history, you know, um, when I'm saying recent, within the last hundred years, you look at the Adolf Hitler situation, you know, with, with the pastor, Lutheran pastor from Germany, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Bonhoeffer, excuse me, um, who actually was trying to uh, conspire to assassinate Adolf Hitler. The reason being, he said it was his Christian faith and that he was trying to save lives. Yeah. Um, you look at the same thing with more recently with um, the whole um, Saddam Hussein thing when he was in um, Iraq. You know, was it wrong to try to kill him or... Um, or um, Osama bin Laden and things like that. Is this saving lives? And that's, I think, what the answer yeah. comes down to. Is it saving lives? But the other question comes down to, well, can't Jesus just put a stop to it? Shouldn't we just pray? You know, and it's, it's I think there's a lot of tension there. Yeah. Well, I mean, even in America, we call it, the, we don't call it the Department of War. We call it the Department of, you guys know, Defense, right? Right. But it used to I, be the Department I, of War. I, yeah, but but I think and that that let's uh, now I I I understand our government is probably as corrupt as many other ones. I think the ideals behind our country are more noble typically. Also, I don't want to I don't want to be an apologist for America or something like that, but um but I also think the framing of that and when we look at the Ukraine Russia war, I, I think it's noble to protect your family to protect others to protect especially those who are under, uh, you know, who are being attacked, who are being assaulted for something that is not a just reason, which I don't know, you know, a lot of just reasons to attack someone else. But um, I, I, I think when we're talking about pacifism and things like that, we really need to talk about, hey, we need, we're, we're not wanting to go to war. We're not wanting to be aggressor or anything like that. But we do need to protect those who are being attacked that cannot defend themselves or cannot defend themselves adequately or who are being attacked unjustly. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's the key to all of this. So is the question then perhaps, what does it mean to um, protect? For instance, is it protecting to just stand up there and passively resist and let them shoot you and shoot everybody else there? Or I'm not if sure that protects gun, anybody. If you have a gun. <laughs> are you allowed to shoot them before they shoot all the other people? You know that I think. Well, what is, what is uh, pure religion in the sight of God the Father? Is this? We all know this one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Wait, what was? It? Uh, and and anyway, the second part of that is to stand up for the rights of orphans and widows. Right. So standing up though doesn't mean just standing with them though, right? I think that's the question we're, we're trying to answer here. I love the look on Don's face here. He is so contemplative right now. There's going to be something coming out of that mouth anytime. <laughs> <laughs> Josh is on the phone, so he's not seeing that. 
I'm um, not seeing it. I, I feel it though. I, I, yeah, there's so many different responses that are racing through my head and I'm, I'm semi digressing, but not digressing because, you know, the question we've talked about as a church is you get an intruder in the church and you have somebody who's conceal and carry. Do you want that guy that conceal and carry shooting the guy that's coming into the church? Yeah. You know, it, 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 it boils down to that. And, you know, we as a consistory, if we're called to, you know, love each other and care for each other, you know, we basically told our guys that's conceal and carry, Hey, we, if you feel called to protect the church and take action, go for it. Cause you're, you're protecting others and you're keeping others alive in the life of the church. So, you know, when, when you look at the essence of war and, and we talk about all the different avenues of conversation, and there are so many different ways we can discuss war, you know, how God uses it, how, um, we're called to follow government and all the above, it, it all boils down to the reality of war is something that we don't want, nor do we want to experience, and yet it's there before us to show how much we really need God to be in control and not us. Yeah. Well, and, and I would like to add, if, if there's a way that by laying my life down, that Jesus can be exalted and somebody know the saving grace of Jesus or somehow something good come from it. I would willingly give, I, you know, I think I should be willingly, willingly yeah. giving my life. Well, um, and, and my grandfather used to tell the story years and years ago that he had a neighbor boy that showed up on the battlefield about his third or fourth year in. And he was only 17, but he had faked that he was 18. And Pa was like, dude, you don't belong in this battlefield. And he took the lead because he knew he was going to get the machine guns are always there in world war one. The machine gun was so deadly. So he took mm -hmm. the lead thinking he'd take the bullet in the head and the neighbor boy mm -hmm. would live. Well, he instinctively ducked and the neighbor boy didn't. And the neighbor boy was killed. And he always said, Hey, no matter what God is sovereign, and God's going to do what he's going to do on the battlefield just to show that he is sovereign and he is in control. Um, and, and, and I think when, when you see the call of humanity to care for humanity with Ukraine and all the refugees, in, in a strange way, it's almost as if God is saying, hey, we need to care for each other as, as humanity and we need to be aware of the hurting. And so it's interesting to watch the movement that's taking place on the international stage through this war. Do you think, though, that there's also the aspect of what is the motivation? Because as we've all said, you know, this, this world is broken. And I think there are some people who are very happy to think about the fact, hey, let's go and get us some Russians, you know, um, whether they be people from Ukraine, whether they be people from just, you know, any other place in the world. I, I have an example of, of a news article I read probably three years or so ago um, where it was talking about, it wasn't about war, but it was about like stand your ground laws and, you know, the difference between somebody having a gun in their house and shooting an intruder who comes in because 
they are afraid that this intruder is going to hurt them. But then there was an elderly man who had his own gun and he kind of set a trap and he sat in his room with his shotgun in his hand, waiting for them to come in. And when they opened the door, he shot them. You know, it was kind of like he was waiting to be able to, you know, deal with his own brand of justice or something. And I, you know, again, it's a matter of the heart. You have to understand. Yeah. It goes back to what Josh said. You can't serve two masters. Are we serving yeah. self or are we serving government or are we serving God? Well, and, and, and I think the other thing just to keep in mind is, too, that one day you're going to account for your actions before God himself, not for somebody else's. And you're going to have to be okay with what you're doing with, with all of this stuff. Um, I don't know. You know Blaming God, somebody else is not going to work then. Yeah. God can even work miracles. Um, I've been reading some accounts. There's a pastor who I know <clears throat> from Michigan who, and I'm not sure if he knows all these people, but he knows of people who have been either in Ukraine or on the mission field in Ukraine. And he's been seeing accounts from some of them about some miraculous things going on. Um, for instance, you know, one of them was writing about how they, they hear the rockets going overhead and all of a sudden the rockets just disappear. They don't explode. They don't know where they went to. They didn't land. Um, things like that happening um, where, where somehow they, they hear the enemy soldiers and all of a sudden those soldiers just kind of disappear. You know, <laughs> um, don't know if that's somehow a, uh, the hand of God, angels protecting them. Yes, guys, I do believe in angels. I, I don't know exactly what all angels do, but I, I do know that there is a spiritual realm in this world that, that we cannot generally see unless God gives us the eyes to see it. Um, but God can work through these things. And as we talked about before, God worked in the Old Testament through war. I, I think one of the hardest ones for me to um, deal with in the Old Testament was when... Um, was when Samuel went to Saul and basically chastised him for not killing the other king. You know, uh, he said, that's what God told you to do, and you didn't do it. And Saul, you were wrong for that. Um, gosh, I, can't, I, can't, I can't make that mesh with my understanding of Jesus, yet we know that, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well... There are a few times when uh, the ancient Israelites disobeyed God in, in war and not doing what God had commanded them to do, and they ended up paying for it, sometimes hundreds of years later. Oh, yeah. Um, but I also, I also have to remember that God was trying to make a people to bring the Messiah through in the Old Testament. And we don't mm -hmm. live in the same... <laughs> I, I, I keep thinking to myself, I, I'm, all of a sudden things start to hit me on terms of lectures from the one that taught me ethics uh, at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in Deerfield, Illinois. I thought I'd put the plug in. And, <laughs> and I remember him saying about war in general, to be really honest, he said, there is no clear right answer about war. Hmm. Sounds war. like me. I say yeah. that all the time. Yeah, you know, that there isn't. And in war... You know, we we can argue for the pacifist side. We could argue for the aggressor side. We can haul out Romans 13 like you did, Pete. And and yet it, it comes down to when we look at war, 
I, I think, you know, Josh, you're on the money. It's about are we protecting the ones who are unprotected? Are we helping the ones who are helpless? Are we, you know, correcting a wrong that allows for, you know, the freedom of worship like we are, you know, and, and those were the type of questions he asked. But he always ended it with there's no clear answer to war because we live in a broken world. And, and I keep coming back to it like we did at the beginning of this time. It's like we live in a broken world and war is used sometimes by God, like we've said, to straighten you up. Yeah. And, and other yeah. times it's used to right a wrong. And it, it's something that, you know, it, I keep James one is in my head, you know, consider it pure joy when you face trials of any kind. And you're like, how is, war a, a joy well it means that we need to connect into god more and be yeah. more aware of what he's calling us to do in this world yeah we started singing a new song in church last week and the the bridge of it goes you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turned it for good you turned it for good and it keeps repeating that like every modern worship song does about a hundred times but right. the 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 thought is there and it comes from the Old Testament, but you took what you took what the enemy meant for evil, and you turned it for good. And I think even in something that's 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 so evil as this, or that could, it, you know, at least as, as as part of this and everything, even with something that's so much death and destruction that's potentially coming from this, um, I read that there were eight thousand Russian soldiers killed, and there are bombs going off where they they deliberately are attacking civilian places and things like that. Even in that, God can do something that brings Him glory. And that delivers people from evil, even in the the heartache and the destruction and the bloodshed of war. God can do something amazing. Amen. Um, yeah. Well, I think that's a great place to kind of maybe end it because you know that's the bottom line: is God can use whatever, even if we don't like it. I mean, um, you know, Don, you said it just because, and I said it again. Maybe there's not one right, one hundred percent of the time answer for everything on this. And the biggest reason is we have we have our our ethics, we have our um, standards that we're trying to live to. But when you're dealing with a world and a people who are broken and sinful, the ideal can't always be done. And so we have to make the best of what we can and do the best we can. Sometimes in a non-ideal situation, um, we have to try to make as good as possible, even though we won't make it perfect. You know, I, I saw somebody um, had a headline out the other day, don't try to compare the United States with utopia. You know, the United States is, is good, generally speaking. There are a lot of things wrong in the United States, but there are probably not a whole lot of other countries, if any, who are better at trying to have a good ethic at least from have, the standpoint of our constitution. Um, we have a decent track record. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, well, guys, I do want to thank you for joining me for this particular episode, especially. Uh, I think it's a timely one. Uh, for those listening, if Josh sounds a little bit far off, I think we've kind of alluded to it. He is unable to join us with his regular Zoom computer. So he's on the phone. I think it sounded okay. I think you've sounded very... Uh, very able to be understood, Josh. So I think that worked out well. Well, uh, it's sort of like caller just called in to win a contest, you know? Yeah, <laughs> there we go. 
So what about a caller from your spot in Illinois, which is kind of interesting just so our listeners know, Josh is usually from Mississippi, but he's in Illinois right now, which happens to be where Don is about maybe an hour and a half away from Don. And I'm sitting out here in Ohio, you know, six hours away from both of them. So, uh, but it's good to have both of you with Pastor Don McDonald and Pastor Josh Kugel. Uh, This is Pastor Pete Becky, and I want to thank our listeners for joining us for Reconciling Grace and Lord willing. We'll see you again next time. This has been Reconciling Grace. If you have a comment or a question for our panel, or if you would like to invite one or more of our panelists to share with your church or group, please send an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. And thank you for listening to Reconciling Grace. Thank you.